So I'm recording this little bit after we have recorded uh, the episode you're about to hear of Mighty Marvel Geeks. Uh, this is Mike from Mighty Marvel Geeks, and I can say, speaking for Eric and Kylan, uh, we are deeply saddened to hear of the loss of Chasman Bozeman on Friday, August 28th, 2020. Uh, he passed away after a long battle of colon cancer in which he had been in stage four um, for the last four years, uh, filming all the various films he had been a part of in between surgeries and chemotherapy uh, while bi- battling this disease. Uh, if anything says true hero, that's him acting, still doing the job, doing the intensity of the job he did while battling such a vicious disease. Uh, according to reports, he he died at home, surrounded by family and friends. Uh, again, Chadwick Bosman passing away August 28th, 2020, after we had recorded our show. Um, and we at Mighty Marvel Geeks uh, offer our deepest condolences and prayers to the, to the Bosman family. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks podcast collective. This podcast is brought to you in part by The Pop Insider. The Pop Insider has all the latest in news, merch reviews, and other geeky goodness. Whether you're a wizard, a Sith Lord, or a superhero, fuel your fandom at thepopinsider.com. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. Pad Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Sergeant, we need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am group. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced, even, but I believe with the right push, it can be exactly what you need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, gentlemen, online and ready. And welcome to another episode, issue, uh, issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. And you, thank you, Kyle or Eric, for not chewing me out on that. Uh, well, we are, I figure at this point, <laughs> why should I chew you out? Because you know what I'm going to say. We have it, issues. It's Pavlovian. You chew hey, yourself out. I'm still recovering from my 50th birthday weekend, which we can mention that. We could talk about that briefly before we get into stories, if you want. That's right. Um, you are now over half a century, century old. old. And when you guys hear the story... Um, like I said, we are the Intrepid Trio. It's Kylan, Eric, and myself, Mike. Um, how's it going, guys? It's good. Something like that. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the check out the homepage, MightyMarvelGeeks.net. Uh, check out our web store that's there. Check out our um, um, our friends over at Biddy Boomers. God, it, it's, it's, I'm still in recovering. Um, check out our other affiliates who we love dearly. <laughs> we really do. I'm just not there. Uh, we have gotten to a late start on recording tonight because of, uh, well, just because. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I guess we'll just go, yes, it turned 50 this past Monday, a couple of days ago, uh, at time of recording. And um, the weekend started off, uh, I was off on Sunday, family made me dinner for Sunday. Sunday recipes from the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge cookbook. Nice, uh-huh. great meal. But prior to that, we went and saw Empire Strikes Back in the movie theater. It was so cool seeing it on the big screen again. I, I am so glad that we did not spoil it for you and tell you that Darth Vader is Luke's father. It's so funny when that scene came up. When that scene came up in the theater. Or, uh, during the film, I looked at Zoe. No, he can't be Luke's father. No, no. She goes, Daddy, you've known this for quite some time. I'm like, oh, okay. Never mind then. <laughs> Melissa kept telling me, shut up, because I think this is the film of all the Star Wars films. This is the one that I know the most quotes for because it is my favorite of all of them. It is number one. Um, now, as a good father, I asked Zoe, you have, you've, you've seen all the, um, Disney era movies. That's the best way to put it. All the Disney era movies on the big screen. Um, you have now seen Empire Strikes Back. What's been your favorite movie on the big screen? Her vote for her favorite film that she has seen on the big screen, Empire Strikes Back. Really? Mind you, she really loves the Disney era movies because that is her her generation. But she loves, she loved Empire more than those on the big screen. That just tells you how strong of a movie that was and how it still holds up. There you go. Great. Point blank. How it still holds up, which you can't beat that. You really can't. No, you can't. So um, so that was on Sunday. Monday, well, Zoe started school. Melissa had to work. I'm like, I'm not sitting around the house doing nothing, which I wouldn't mind doing on a normal day anyway. I'm like, it's my 50th birthday. I I used one of my comp tickets because I'm still kind of blacked out of the parks. Um, From my main gate, um, for those who don't know, yes, I do work for for the parks. Um, But I, uh, so I burned a comp ticket and I spent the day at Galaxy's Edge. And just had fun with it. Because to me, that's my second home. 
and I got to go to my second home for my 50th birthday. And I finally got on Rise of the Resistance. O-M-G is all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, lordy, lordy, lordy. Um, there's life-size adats in this thing. What? <laughs> yeah. That's something that you, uh, you know, neglected to mention. Oh, yeah. There's life-size adats in this thing. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to get back on the ride again when I can. <laughs> I really can't. Anyway. Um, yes, Star Wars is covered in the Marvel Universe, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're actually mm-hmm. going to talk some stories. Um, unfortunately, there was not any news stories at time of recording from our friends over at the Pop Insider, but we are going to have one of their editors on the show coming up uh, in September. Um, just to recap, and then they'll be... And then they're slated to come back on either right around Halloween or right after the 1st of November, where we're going to talk about their holiday guide, their gift guide. Nice. So we can talk all Marvel goodness for the holiday. Well, okie dokie. In which we will drop our addresses for you guys as well. If you want. Okay, no, I won't. <laughs> but, um, so these next one, two, three. Four stories are all coming from comicbook.com, so put that out there right from the get-go. Um, Avengers, Christopher Marcus, Stephen McFeely, and Russo Brothers reveal new MCU secrets. Oh. So, um, Doctor Strange is wearing the Iron Man suit. Peter Parker's in big trouble for Spider-Man 3. Uh, of course, we got the video of Evans wrapping up his career as Cap. But uh, over the weekend, there were some more announcements for future films um, that was that, that came out. And I'm just glancing through this article. Um, never mind. This article is from April 30th, 2020. And I think we may have already covered this. So I'm going to change it out. Should we sound the sad trombone? Yes, because I'm going to go... This one instead. The New Mutants, which comes out this weekend, is it? You know, at this point, I don't think even the the theaters know. Possibly this weekend. And if so, uh, I may have to go in a couple weeks. I believe it is this weekend. Okay. There's something (laughs) we should know about, Kylan. Um, (laughs) Apparently, Fox wanted to completely scrap the first cut and and start over. Well... We're shocked, but I don't think we're surprised that that was made, that announcement was made. Um, I am shocked to hear that, as uh, Captain Reno was uh, shocked to find gambling going on in Rick's Cafe. Exactly. <laughs> and if you have watched Casablanca, you know what I'm talking about. Yep. So apparently, at one point, Fox was so disappointed with the cut that they had seen that they wanted the entire film scrapped so they could start over. Whereas director Josh Boone, 
uh, claims he never homed any reshoots for the film and that the version will be landing in the theaters. Um, is his vision for the adventure to whatever the studio desires might have been at the time. It seems like Disney wasn't as invested in the final project. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, considering what, uh, go ahead. Well, considering what Fox has put out, uh, the, the last couple of movies uh, that are part of the X franchise, um, I'd be honest with you, if they're not, if they weren't happy with this one, I'm willing to give it a shot. I'm just saying because, you know, there's no accounting for taste. And the stuff that they thought was good, was it? For all we know, this might be a halfway decent movie. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, the last trailer I saw really mm-hmm. grabbed my interest. I, I, I think this actually kind of, I'm not completely excited to see it but I'm willing to go see it in the theater and when at any point that we've talked about this movie have you ever heard me say I'm going to go see it in the theater that's true this is the first time I've actually heard you say that so um, so to continue on uh, Vulture cites sources familiar with the production uh, when noting that the project got green light to move forward when it was pitched as embracing not just horror elements but also the light-hearted coming-of-age films of John Hughes which I think is one of the things I'm kind of drawn to now with this because I got that sense from the from the trailer or the last trailer Boone and his writing partner Nate Lee um, weren't as interested in the more comedic corner of the X-Men universe and were reluctant or outright unwilling to implement such script changes requested by the studio, um, which will require round after round of rewrites. And one intervention like Roundtable read just before filming, uh, when the initial cut was screened for Fox back in 2017, uh, the studio was so disappointed with the initial cut that the studio discussed throwing the entire movie out to start over with a total reshoot. Has oh, it really, no. they've been fighting this for three years now. Has it really been that long? Yeah, well, I, I it had to have been three years because I because uh, the the first rumors of the Fox um, Disney merger had to have been two years ago. And that's when it seemed like I remember the trailer coming out, but then it got pushed back. And that's when all the rumors were that we weren't, this movie wasn't going to see light of day. And hey, then it, at least it's not Avatar. Avatar is never getting made, guys. I just, it's just not. <laughs> hey, Look, the, it's the, just like, this last pushback for Avatar 2 is not because of Cameron, it's because of Disney. So well, I, he, got, he been, has that going for him. I've been waiting for True Lies 2. For like thirty years, oh and it's God. never happening. So I'm just saying, yeah, well, yeah, that ship has sailed, dude. Yeah, yeah. They were saying that there was going to be a true lies too, and it never happened. I'm telling you right now, just 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 let it go, just let it go, because yeah. But the, there's the movie, the movie that should have happened is the one based around Bill Paxton's character as a yes yes as, as a uh, companion 
movie to the true lies. Mm-hmm. Man, I got to go back and watch that again. That was so good. So uh, anyway, Boone has largely been denying reports of massive tweaks to the film, other than various hints that the project was initially set in the 80s and was since updated. Uh, movie, the movie is slated to come out um, August 28th. So that's this weekend. There you mm-hmm. go. Uh, um, it's releasing along with uh, Bill and Ted. Is that this weekend, too? Yeah. <sighs> Great. Two movies I want to go see. <laughs> I am kind of excited. That's another to... movie that we thought was going to happen for a long, long time. Yeah. Now, other good news. Three Marvel Studios projects rumored to begin production soon. Um, after the virus that shall remain nameless has yeah. uh, caused a shutdown for almost five months. It appears that Marvel Studios is getting ready with at least pre-productions that were delayed indefinitely to bring them back up. Uh, Earlier this month, uh, news out of the House of Ideas was that the restart of production in Australia for Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings. Um, While there was more evidence suggesting... Similar moves for WandaVision and the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Okay. I remember hearing the speculation for Falcon and Winter Soldier coming uh, sooner since everything was still pretty much, since they were going back to Poland for that, and Poland had issued how the crews and everything could get back in. So, um... Now, throughout the day on Tuesday, the 25th, uh, Charles Murphy and his crack team of scoopers over at Murphy's Multiverse, or they are, cheap plug, uh, uncovered some evidence of stunt workers returning to the set of WandaVision to begin preparations for the relaunching of principal photography. Uh, even though the cast and crew held a rap party earlier this year, uh, there seemed to be a few weeks worth of work before sending everything directly into post-production. Obviously, you know, something like that could be where you don't need the actual cast. Uh, if mm-hmm. it is stunt workers, have them in, shoot the angles where you don't see the faces or you see the faces and it's CGI'd in later. Movie magic, folks. And then there's the Falcon and Winter Soldier the series is filming in Prague was filming in Prague when things went to shut down mode. Um, Preparing to power down and begin diagnostics. Uh, no, 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 no. There's no, a, he's just buzzing. He's got a brain fart. There, I'm talking about the shutdown of filming in in Prague for Falcon and Winter Soldier. I don't need you to shut down. Um. So, um, while the series isn't expected to return to Prague, it's already received a green light from the Czech government to return, despite the country's temporary ban on travel from American citizens. Okay, but this is something that tons of money is coming into. Um, yeah. So, it's going to boost their economy. Of course, they're going to take it. Uh, at this point, though, it's expected that the series will finish the required scenes at uh, Atlanta at Pinewood Studios. 
So the American Pinewood Studios, not the... Yeah, I was about to say. Not the uh, infamous Pinewood Studios. Um, furthermore, chatter has also emerged that another Marvel film uh, starting to film in Australia in late September uh, is potentially Spider-Man 3. Uh, really? No, I'm sorry. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder is the one confirmed to be filming down in Australia. Uh, because say love and rockets, but that's <laughs> banned. Um, but as Spider-Man three is expected to film primarily stateside and in European countries. So how do you guys feel about the return of some productions? I'm ready for it. I am too. Yeah. It's nice to have a little bit more normalcy coming our way. Yeah. Now, I should have added this back with the New Mutant story, but critics are refusing to review the New Mutants until Disney offers safe screening options. Okay. Translation, bribe us into saying good things about this movie. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Send us a screener. <laughs> Could be the mm-hmm. other so we can yeah. watch it at home. Um, but wherever theaters are opening, um, New Mutants is finally hitting in those theaters, hopefully. Uh, but a growing contingent of critics have started boycotting the movie until it's safe to go back to theaters. Well, Violet safe means never. Right. I went to the theater this weekend. There were 10 of us to see Empire Strikes Back. Theater rules were, if you're sitting there and you're not eating and drinking, masks on. Mm-hmm. If you're eating and drinking, masks can be off. For us, our party, we bought the row. Uh, when we bought our seats, we essentially bought out the row. No one else mm-hmm. was allowed. That that row would have been blacked out. Right. Because, one, we were like a party of six. Mm-hmm. So we owned the row, essentially. Um, if it was just Melissa, Zoe, and I, I'm sure the opposite end of the row would have been open for people to sit at as long as we social distanced. Cool. Not a problem. Right. Um, but uh, Indy Wire um, put out a post basically stating many prominent critics have opted not to review the film because of what they say is Disney's gross negligence caused, caused by not providing safe ways to screen the film virtually. Um, wow. I, all right. I, I, I have serious difficulty taking them seriously. And the reason being is that you can't tell me that Disney cannot just send them out a link. It's like, here's a secure link server. You have to log in to do it. Sit and watch it and find out. Exactly. And... But, I really, I'm having, I'm having trouble, but I'm having trouble having faith in critics anymore. Anyway, mm-hmm, oh yeah. So it's kind of like Nick Fury said, "This is why I have trust issues," because you know you hear story after story about critics that you know have have said have given movies glowing reviews and come to find out, well, you know, they basically got bribes on junkets. Right. Right. 
And I'm kind of like, you know what? I don't need critic reviews of movies. No, no. I, I think I, I think the the film critic industry, especially in this COVID period, has been deemed non-essential. Yep. <laughs> now, along with IndieWire, other outlets joining this boycott is the AV Club, the Boston Globe, um, Roger Roger Ebert dot com editor Brian Alarico. Uh, in which he explained on Twitter, the iconic film criticism website will not have a review because it's n- there's no safe way to do so. I call malarkey because mm-hmm. I felt perfectly fine going to the movie theater myself with my 10-year-old daughter to go see Empire Strikes Back. Right. Theaters are doing limited seating and social distance seating it's not gonna be a problem and I'm sure if you needed to you could probably arrange with your local theater since you're going representing a company that you're doing the review for I know if we were making that type of money, I'd be going, I want to buy out the theater. I want to buy out this theater so only my critics in here watching this film. Mm-hmm. There is that option. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm calling shenanigans here. And, I mean, when, Cin- when Cinemark gives you the option to buy out a theater for a private screening for up to 20 people? Yeah. Me, a friend of the family, their daughter went and saw Empire Strikes Back on Saturday at a Cinemark theater. Bought a normal ticket for normal movie shooting. Showing mm-hmm. was the only person in the theater. I would, I would take that every day. I would do that too. So it's possible. It is possible. So... Um, now, AV Club critic A.A. A. Dowd posted a lengthy essay Tuesday morning pointing out that evidence presented by America's leading health experts as a reason not to go attend a public theater showing. Yet, science experts do not mince words. They're very good. There's a very good chance you could get sick, and that's the risk. The AV Club will not be taking to review a movie, any movie, Dowd wrote. We are, in fact, adopting an official policy of only reviewing films our writers can safely watch, whether in a socially distanced press screening or with a digital screener. I'm going to tell you right now, most of these companies or most of the studios are not going to send out press screeners for movies that they think are going to make money because they don't want it accidentally leaked on the Internet before the film has a chance to run its course in the theaters. Right. So that's what I got to say about that. I, I, I think people are being petty and being a little entitled. Oh, we're in a pandemic. They should be sending me a screener. Now, suck it up, buttercup, and carry your happy butt to the theater and go walk and, and do your job as a critic. Go mask up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm wondering how much of that is the issue. They don't want to wear a mask telling you it's no well, big I, deal I, I think this this again i have hard time you know giving any credibility to these critics because 
again, how many stories have we heard about basically them being bribed? That's that's probably a strong word. But, you know, you go to this junket and they load you up with swag and, you know, they say, oh, we'll give you this and yada, yada. And then they write a glowing review of it. And when you go to the theater and you just see this movie was absolute crap on uh, on a cold bagel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you just wonder, it's like, how what, did we see the same movie? Could we be? And right? you see this on a lot. You see this on a lot of Rotten Tomatoes movies. Mm-hmm. You see the critics give it. Oh, the critics give it a really good rating, and then the audience is kind of like, "This is crap on a cold bagel." I can think of one right off the top of my head. And and by the flip side, you see a movie that is panned by critics, but you see an audience score that's that's pretty good, yep. right? So what this is telling me is that you know these critics they're not getting treated the way that they're used to being treated, and it's not sitting well with them. That would be correct. I mean, you know, the thing is, like I never understood why. You have a critic that basically they they they're they're, they're told or they're they that we accept their opinion on everything. It's sort of like I think of it like restaurants. Okay, so if you like steak and you're looking for a really good steakhouse and you're reading a restaurant critic's view uh, opinion of a restaurant and they happen to hate steak. Why pay attention to that critic's opinion? Or they're a vegan. Exactly. Case in point. And I think that especially for a lot of our – the the types of movies that we're into, the the, the critics that are – whose opinions quote-unquote matter could care less about a comic book-based Movie, they, they're gonna. It, it doesn't matter. Like, okay, case case in point. Endgame is a phenomenal film. It, it it tells a rich and engaging story, and it, it takes twenty years of storytelling to and wraps it up all in one film. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and and those guys would would refuse to even give it the slightest bit of credit. Just because it's based on a comic book. Well, was it, who was it? Was it Martin Scorsese? Yeah, that, of course. That uh, that just poo pooed all over it. Yeah, yeah. yeah Scorsese poo pooed all over it. You know, and and you know, and there's been quite a few people like oh, I'm tired of comic book movies. Look, look, you know what? Just because something is popular doesn't mean that it's bad. And just because something is just because something has a a very a uh, specialized uh, group of fans doesn't make it good. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, the, the, oh, this movie only played in small movie houses. Now, I'm not dissing small movie houses because I've seen some very awesome movies there. I love independent films. Don't get me wrong. But just because a movie is independent or has a small run doesn't mean that it's the greatest thing ever either. Right. It doesn't. Yeah, I'm with you. So... Uh, moving along, MCU <laughs> Phase Four release dates. Uh, November as they, as they stand now, November sixth, twenty twenty, Black Widow. Yay! Uh, December twenty twenty, WandaVision. February twelfth, twenty twenty one, 
if we end up making it to Toy Fair, we may have to bail early and go watch this in a New York theater close to Javits Center. What? Eternals. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, early 2021, What If and Loki. March 19th, 2021, Morbius. I could have asked for a better birthday present than that. Mm-hmm. I could ask for Bruce Willis a better birthday present than that. It's going to be Michael <laughs> Keaton playing at Adrian Toomes, which I think this is wrong. You already had him playing Vulture. Right. Yeah. Don't don't bring him in as another character. Uh, May 7th, 2021, Shang-Chi. Okay. June, June 25th, 2021, Venom 2. Mm, yeah, what if? Uh, 2021, 2021 Disney Plus, Hawkeye, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, and Moon Knight. Well, a hot, hot. <laughs> you put Moon Knight last so you get the good reaction. <laughs> what? December. What? Yeah, I didn't stutter. Hawkeye. <laughs> um, December 17, 2021, Spider-Man 3. February 11th, 2022. Thor, Love and Thunder. March 25th, 2022, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Is the, can I just make a request? Sure. Whoever's working on Love and Thunder, if you're within the sound of my voice, could you please get MC Hammer a cameo role in this? Oh, my God. Uh, I don't care what he's doing. He could play a janitor. He, he could do your your Stanley cameo where he just he's cleaning up under Mjolnir and lifts the hammer. Oh, wait, it's busted. Never mind. Hammer, huh? Yeah, because he's too legit. It's too, too legit. legit to quit. Hey, hey. <laughs> oh, he would turn. He's that got the perfect. Out. He's got the perfect coronavirus theme song. Can't touch hey. this. <laughs> he legit. would turn that mother out. <laughs> too legit. That the police don't stand so close to me. <laughs> too legit. The cure should be so popular right now. You know. <laughs> Every one of their albums. Think of the cure would just be so out on anyway. Too I legit. My age. I don't care. Too legit to quit. Hey, hey. Too legit. Too legit to quit. Hey, hey. <laughs> Dear God, what have I done? <laughs> anyway. Okay, um, you were to Doctor Strange in the um Multiverse of Madness. That yes. May sixth, twenty twenty two. Kosher Panther. I mean, Black Panther 2. Boy, they. July 8th, 2022, Captain Marvel 2. Okay. Undated, but on the way. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And Ant-Man 3, which there's a chance it offers a Young Avengers vibe. Uh, also, two Fantastic Four are due for a reboot. And the X and the X Men should bring bring the mult, the mutant gene into the MCU. Mm-hmm. Sony also has Spider Woman and Craven the Hunter movies on the way, but no word on well, when we're we getting think, them. We think Spider Woman could also be a Madam Web. That's could true. Uh, also, uh, Mahir Shah Ali is playing Blade. That he could be debuting in another title title before we get a Blade movie as soon as 2023. I wouldn't mind seeing Blade show up in uh, Dr. Strange. Morbius? Or oh, Morbius. No, that would be good. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. 
You because, know what, though? Because he, he, I don't believe he's going to show up in Morbius because Morbius is Sony. Blade right. is now under Marvel control again. So Strange right. would be the perfect place to drop him. Okay, you know what else would be perfect to drop into Doctor Strange? Ghost Rider. You read my mind. You read my mind. And, and, and dude, just, just take Robbie Reyes straight yes. from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because we don't know what happened to him. We don't. We Man, don't know what happened to him. And you know what? We really don't need a Midnight Suns, even though I think that would be awesome. But what if you had Blade and Ghost Rider team up like would you really want blade and ghost rider on you like you don't want ghost rider on you you really don't want blade on you the two of them together no no. and where he goes like multiverse of madness this is also a great way to introduce johnny blaze (gasps) now hear me out okay you can make an old johnny blaze yes I got one He does more. not have to be a young Johnny Blaze. I got no. one more ride, Emmy. And, and yes, I was thinking kind of Sam Neill-ish. <laughs> well, Sam, Sam Neill is completely different. And uh, Sam Neill is Ghost Rider. Just, okay, it's it's making me laugh. And the, the crazy thing is Sam Neill played uh, Damien. <laughs> like, wh- which movie was that? The Final Conflict? Uh-huh. So he's like the Antichrist, but then he's Ghost Rider, so he's kind of like, you know, working against himself. You know, you know, he might could pull that off. Yeah. Because, you know, if, I, I don't know if you watched um, this on Netflix, The Tudors. He no. played Cardinal Wolsey, and Wolsey uh-huh. was not was not a, he was not the nicest individual out there either. So he kind was, of like he was kind of a driven. He was kind of a driven guy. Oh, I, I I don't see him being the Johnny Blaze that that we would think of as like a a motorcycle stunt rider. But I think he could pull that personality off. Yeah. Right. Or do we really, 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 really want to bring Nick Cage back? He had its run. To, you know, thing to is, quote Nick Elsa, to quote Elsa, let him go. He, he belongs in the MCU somewhere, though. That's the thing. Like, I not, look, as, the guy, not as Ghost Rider anymore. No, not as Ghost Rider, no, but something. I mean, the man's stage name is inspired by Luke Cage. That, that, I'm sorry, that holds a special place in my heart. And, you know, he was married to the king's daughter for a minute. He gave up his comic books for I took issue with that, but whatever. But Nick Cage should have something in the MCU. Something. What about what about Doc Sampson? Oh, been Doc Sampson kind of ripped. Well, I yeah, mean, I'm not it's a problem. It's ripped. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh wait, hold on. Okay, here's here's the thought. I don't know if he would do it. I don't know if he's the right choice or not uh, anymore. Brendan Fraser might do it. Ooh. Now he I can. I don't know. Well, maybe he could do. Maybe he could do Ghost Rider. Maybe he could do Doc Sampson. Yeah, he could pull. I think he could pull that rippage off. Right. Of course, I haven't seen what he looks like lately. So. Right. But in my head, he will always be Rick O'Connell. I was blanking on his last name. He'll always be Rick O'Connell from the Mummy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, um. Uh, fun I'm sorry, story. I've derailed us once again. No, it's fine. I'll, I'll just throw you some eye rolls. How's that? <laughs> um, Are they sweet rolls? No. Oh, darn. But you know, 
Marvel.com brings us a story that tells us there's been 21 times Tony Stark rolled his eyes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, man, that is that's 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 a link (laughs) in Iron Man. He's trying in Iron Man at 50 minutes, three seconds in assisting Tony with replacing his first art. Arc reactor, Pepper accidentally pulls out too much of the mechanism. I roll. Mm-hmm. At an hour eight, Agent Coulson talks with Tony and informs him that he is part of the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. I roll. <laughs> um, at an hour 55, almost an hour 56, while preparing for the press conference, Pepper calls Tony out for leaving her on the roof during his fundraiser. I roll. Uh, in Iron Man 2, during the Senate meeting, Justin Hammer calls Tony a weapons expert and then a wonder boy. That's at 12, that's 12 minutes in. At an hour 46, getting ready for the final battle, Tony calls Rhodey subtle in his war machine suit. <laughs> in the Avengers, 55 minutes, 45 seconds in, Captain America exclaims that he understands a topical joke. Three minutes later, Tony does it again as he's making fun of Cap's outfit while trying to offer assistance. Uh, an, an hour 30, Fury talks to the group about Coulson's death. Why they all sit there in silence. Ten minutes later, Tony explains that this new team is the Avengers to Loki and Stark Tower. In Iron Man 3, 33 minutes in, Pepper suggests that in order to avoid danger, the two leave town and Tony refuses to go along with this plan. In hour 10, Jarvis, who is currently being looked after by Harley, Fumbles his wording and finishes a sentence with the word cranberry. I have to remember that one. Um, an hour 50 in, Tony tries to call one of his Iron Man suits, but fall, but it falls apart before it makes it to him. Ah, uh, yeah. I remember now, that one. Now, believe it or not. <laughs> In Avengers Age of Ultron, there's only one eye roll, and that comes at 15 minutes in when Maria Hill calls Tony boss, and Tony says that Cap's the boss, but he still pays for everything. (laughs) That would be on the Quinjet. Yep. Uh, Marvel Studios' Captain America Civil War. 27 minutes in, Tony listens to Rhodey and Sam fight about who's right and who's wrong. Over the Scovia Accords. At 58.12, Tony gets Cap to finally sign the Accords. However, Cap then remarks that this brings us closer to war. Uh, three minutes later, Cap refuses to sign the Accords. At 2 minutes, 14 seconds, or 2 hours and 14 minutes, 43 seconds, a delivery arrives for Tony, and the driver mispronounces Tony's name as Tony Stank. Yeah. Um, in Affinity War, at the Inner Sanct- Sanctum Sanctorum, at 16 minutes, 46 seconds in, 
Tony realizes he needs to call Cap for help. At an hour 23, after catching Drax yawning, Tony questions what the Guardians do. In the Avengers, at 103.19, Tony listens to Thor explain the ether. At an hour 37 and 22 seconds, Tony and Scott get into an argument about how they botched the time heist. Mm-hmm. So, movies, go get this list off Marvel.com, and hey, you two can follow along on Disney+. Plus. There you go. Um, so, this now brings us to hopefully a or a segment that is. Here are the picks of the week. And Kyla, why don't you start us off? Absolutely. So, ah, my first pick of the week is Black Widow, number one. Uh, brought to us by, well, it just says Marvel Comics because it doesn't give me the people who worked on it. It's because I'm lucky like that. Uh, best-selling Eisner-nominated writer Kelly Thompson. There she is, who worked on Captain Marvel and Star and rising star artist Lena Casagrande, who worked on Catwoman, launch a new Black Widow series that changes everything. Natasha Romanoff has been a spy almost as long as she's been alive. And she's never stopped running, whether she was working for the good guys or the bad. But Natasha's world's about to be upended. Beyond San Francisco's Golden Gate lies a mystery that only Marvel's greatest spy can solve. Don't miss the heart the heartbreaking thrill ride of 2020. Really? <laughs> but okay, we'll, we'll we'll just go with that. Oh yeah. So, Eric, your first pick of the week. My first pick of the week is a number one. It is Marvel Tales Captain Britain number one by Chris Claremont, Herb Trimby, In Hyuk Lee, and others. A legendary hero. Fly- Should I do this in a in a British accent? If you want. A legendary hero flies the flag for the United Kingdom as we celebrate the legacy of the House of Ideas with the era-spanning Marvel Tales. In Chris Claremont and Herd Trimp's incredible Captain Britain numbers one and two, Brian Braddock must choose between the Sword of Might and the Amulet of Right. Only one will transfer him into Captain Britain, Champion of Albion. Then, Brian takes a trip across the pond and ends up in Spider-Man's neighborhood. But their first meeting turns downright murderous, courtesy of Arcade, in Marvel Team-Up, numbers 65 and 66. By the fan-favorite team of Claremont and John Byrne. Then the sword is drawn in Excalibur, number one, as Claremont joins artist Alan Davis to team Captain Britain and his girlfriend Megan with a trio of ex-X-Men, Nightcrawler, Shadowcat, and Phoenix to form the UK's most offbeat super team. Okay, that's enough of that. Anyway, this is collecting Captain Britain numbers one and two, Marvel team-ups numbers 65 and 66, and Excalibur number one. All right. My first pick of the week is Miles Morales, Spider-Man, number 18. Uh, Gank, Barbara, Judge, Lana, and Mr. Samita, Rio, Jeff. Miles knows who knows he has to help people as Spider-Man. 
but he's ready to live as an outlaw. But is he also ready to do it without the support of someone who who he loves? Who's with Miles against him? And whose side are you on? So, Kylan, back to you. All right, so my second pick of the week is Daredevil, Elektra, Love and War, Gallery Edition hardcover. Uh, Writer Frank Miller and artist Bill Sikowitz are two visionary creators. And when their talents combine, the results are spectacular. In the acclaimed Daredevil graphic novel, Love and War, Miller and Sinkowitz take a unique look at the bitter rivalry between the man without fear and the kingpin of crime, as all that Wilson Fisk holds dear is placed in grave danger. And in Electra Assassin, Miller's deadly creation, the hand's greatest warrior, the former love of Matt Murdock, returns for a stunning, stunning tale of good and evil, life and death, triumph and tragedy. Featuring Sinkinwitz's startling painted artwork on oversized pages, Daredevil and Elektra have never looked more incredible. This collects Marvel graphic novel Daredevil, Love and War graphic novel, and Elektra Assassin 1 through 8. All right, Eric, over to you. Okay, my second pick of the week is Guardians of the Galaxy number six by Al Ewing, Juan Cabal, and Ivan Charvin. Chavern, excuse me. As old tensions explode in the far off Earth system, the political map of the galaxy is redrawn. Meanwhile, old friends and lovers must redraw the maps of themselves or tear them up entirely. He used to be the human rocket, now he's the human wreck. Is there any coming back for Nova? Okay. Mine. We're getting a little pricier here. Uh, old, man, old Man Hawkeye Elite Collection Trade Paperback. Uh, Return to the Wastelands. A story set five years before the, uh, before the classic Old Man Logan. The superheroes have fallen. The villains have divided up the country. Yet Clint Barton still lives. The former Hawkeye is going blind. But there's one last thing he wants to to see revenge of his fallen comrades in arms and he's setting what sights he has left on some fearsome foes including bullseye red skull winter soldier and the multiplying menace of the badrax venoms plus clint finally faces the thunderbolts who portrayed him and reunites with kate bishop moonstone baron zemo and the weapon x facility finally away him can clint conclude his quest before his eyes fail him for good uh, it's the aged averaging archer as you've never seen him before so kylan oh the uh for the pick of the week right no my right. last pick right? your last pick of the week my last pick okay it is because i kind of had a theme here Black Widow, Omnibus, Hard Cup, Casillo's Daredevil, Black Widow, and, you know, y'all, whatever. So, collecting the complete early adventures, solo series, and rare graphic novel appearances of the Black Widow. From her debut as a Russian spy, through her early days with the Avengers and her character-defining solo series, the story of Natasha Romanoff is one of comics' most captivating. She evolves from villain to teammate and finally into a hero all her own. She plays the spy game and fights in the Marvel Universe's dark corners. And not one of her foes will soon forget the sting of the Black Widow. 
collecting Avengers from the 1963 series, numbers 29 and 30, number 36 through 37, and numbers 43 through 44. Amazing Spider-Man 1963 series, number 86, Daredevil number 1964 series, number 81, Black Widow, the coldest war graphic novel, Punisher, Black Widow, Spinning Doomsday Web graphic novel, Daredevil, Black Widow, Abator graphic novel, Fury, Black Widow, Death Duty, Journey into Mystery, uh, 1996 series, 517 through 519, material from Tales of Suspense uh, from the 1959 series, numbers 52 and 53, number 57, number 60, and number 64. Amazing Adventures 1970 series numbers one through eight, Bizarre Adventures uh, Adventures number twenty five, Marble Fanfare night uh, from the nineteen eighty two series numbers ten through thirteen, Solo Avengers number seven, Marvel Comics Presents uh, from the nineteen eighty eight series one thirty five, Daredevil Annual number ten. And subplot pages from Avengers from the 63 series, numbers 16, uh, 32 through 33, 38 through 39, 41 through 42, 45 through 47, 57, 63 through 64, and 76. Okay. All right. Final pick of the week. My final pick of the week is the Tomb of Dracula Complete Collection Trade Paperback, Volume 4, by Marv Wolfwin, Gene Colan, and more. The Lord of the Undead invades America, and there Dracula must face the blade-handed Juno, agent of his nemesis, Dr. Sun. Will vampire hunters Quincy Harker, Rachel Van Helsing, and Frank Drake be Drac's unlikely saviors? To take down Sun once and for all, Drac must ally with his greatest enemy, Blade. But when Wong becomes Dracula's next victim... The Sorcerer Supreme will do everything possible to save his friend's life and end the dr- vampire lords. Plus, who will be the dryad of Dracula? Literary worlds collide as Drac encounters Robin Hood, Frankenstein's monster, and more. Dracula battles the Silver Surfer, and there will be hell to pay when Blade calls in a favor from Damien Hellstrom. Now, this is all collecting Tomb of Dracula, the 1972 volumes, numbers 36 through 54, Doctor Strange, the 1974 series, number 14, Dracula Lives, numbers 12 and 13, and material from Legion of Monsters, the 1975 series, number one. Oh, by the way, rental advisory. Gotcha. Well, my final pick of the week is Cloak and Dagger Omnibus Hardcover, volume one. Uh, the early adventures of the Daily Duo of Darkness and Light as Cloak and Dagger wage war on drugs, crime, crime lords, Silvermane, and the Kingpin are in their sights. And Spider-Man is stuck in the middle. Stuck in the middle with you. Um, then follow Tyrone Cloak Johnson. To the left of me, daggers to the right. Here I Man, am, stuck, stuck in, in the middle, middle with Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> then follow Tyrone Johnson. And Tandy Bowen into their own uncanny adventures and discover what set them on their vigilante path together. Detective O'Reilly, 
because it's a teenage wasteland, um, wants to arrest them, and Father Delgado wants to reform them. But does anyone really understand them? Featuring Doctor Strange, the, mutant, the New Mutants, and Power Pack. Collecting Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, 1996, or 1976, number 64, number 69 through 70, 81 through 82, and 94 through 96, Cloak and Dagger, 1983 series, 1 through 4, Marvel Cloak and Dagger, 1 through 11 from the 85 run. Doctor Strange, 1974's number 78. Marvel graphic novel, Cloak and Dagger and Power Pack, Shelter from the Storm, and material from Strange Tales, 1 through 2 from 1987. So, Kylan, your MU, your MU pick. Continuing my theme, my MU pick is Daredevil Ninja from the year 2000, number one. Nothing is more sacred to the man without fear than the staff of his late mentor, Stick. So how do you think he'll react when it's stolen? Who would take this seemingly worthless object and why? Uh, The colorist is David. uh, David Self, the inker, is... Rob Haynes, writer is Brian Michael Bendis, and the letterer is Richard Starkings. Okay. And while you're at it, issues two and three are in there, too. And once you read the first one, you're not going to be able to stop. Awesome. Uh, any final thoughts? Why don't we get a stick series, come to think of it? I was thinking about that earlier today. Like, I think I would really enjoy seeing the adventures of Stick before he met Matt. Like, you know, what was his life like before that? Okay. Good question. And I'm talking about Scott Glenn's Stick, not that terrible one that was in that movie that was kind of said, said it was Electra, but you know, right? No, if they if they put out a toy line on this stick series, would that make them stick figures? <laughs> you knew that was coming. <laughs> As I'm shaking my head, yes. <laughs> hey, Eric, that's what a way to stick with it. I figure you twig onto that sooner or later. You had to go out on a limb, didn't you? Well, I'm trying to branch out, you know. (laughs) Take my joke. Well, on that note, we're going to make like a tree and get out of here. (laughs) Thursday, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope. It's time to go dark. (laughs) That man is playing Galaga. Thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. 